Hey, I'm John. And I'm Becky. And this is the We Are For Good podcast. Nonprofits are faced with more challenges to accomplish their missions and the growing pressure to do more, raise more, and be more for the causes that improve our world. We're here to learn with you from some of the best in the industry, bringing the most innovative ideas, inspirational stories, all to create an impact uprising. So welcome to the good community. We're nonprofit professionals, philanthropists, world changers, and rabid fans who are striving to bring a little more goodness into the world. So let's get started. Becky, what's going on? This conversation is long overdue. And it, it is. is it, it is a crime that we have not had our friend on the podcast yet. I'm so glad Caitlin's here. I feel the exact same way because there's just people that you follow online. You're like, oh my gosh, they're so wicked smart. They know what they're doing. Like we just want to tap their wisdom. And this is somebody that we get to hang with today. It is our delight to introduce you to Caitlin Bond. She is the founder over at KB Digital. And she has put her flag in the ground around nonprofit email marketing. My friends, we need to know how to use email. It is still this channel that has just this way to cut through to the people that want to, you know, our believers and the people that are following our missions and they're wanting to get activated. Caitlin is really poured in and is passionate about helping causes harness that to inspire more generosity. Caitlin has her BA in communication from the University of Maryland with her digital marketing certificate from just casual Georgetown University. Um, She's also certified in all the things, Google Analytics and AdWords, and putting that all together through HubSpot Academy. And so she really understands how to link all these things up. Maybe if this feels intimidating conversation to walk into, we are getting our hand held from someone, you know, just casually works with nonprofit clients like National Geographic, the Trevor Project, who we completely love, and the Cancer Research Institute. So Caitlin is just this wealth of information. She gets to be on the front lines with her clients, and she is here to deliver all the wisdom about email today. So get into our house, Caitlin. It's so good to finally have you on the show. Hi, John and Becky. Thank you so much for having me today. It's such an honor. I've been listening to your podcast for months, and I'm just so excited to be a part of the conversation. Well, it is a complete honor. And you know from listening to the podcast that we like to get to know the human behind the story first. And so just take us back. You know, what pointed you into wanting to lean in specifically into the social impact work that you're doing today? Kind of take us back in your journey. Well, my journey to nonprofit marketing started in the corporate world. I worked in marketing and communications for several different tech companies a few years out of college. And I learned so much, but I really wanted to bring that corporate experience somewhere where I felt like I was doing meaningful work. So then I went and got a job at a local nonprofit, the Children's Inn at NIH. And I was really just so desperate to take a job um, where I cared about what I was doing that I started working in volunteer and community outreach. And naturally, I was passionate about the mission and cared a lot about marketing. And so I transitioned into a marketing role within the organization where where I helped them build their digital foundation. So new website, email programs, CRM, content planning, social (laughs) media, like everything. Kit and caboodle. (laughs) And it was just me. But I got to the point where I wanted more. Um, I was the only digital person within the team. And so that's when I went back to school and got my digital marketing certificate. Around that same time, I had my first daughter. I now have two daughters. And that's when I started my consultancy. I wanted the freedom and flexibility to spend more time with my kids. And it's been the best decision of my life. Um, Not only do I get to work with amazing people and organizations with really remarkable missions, 
but I get to pick my kids up from school and be a present yeah. mom and take a Friday off here and there and go on field trips if I want to. And that just means the world to me in this season of life that I'm in. I mean, truly, that resonates with us. We both have daughters and and I, I think it's just a wonderful testament to the abilities of working moms, working in the impact sector. I love that you're pouring in in this way and still finding a way to just really chase impact. And I, I want to talk and have some tone setting just about email marketing because I think we've all embraced it. Good job, nonprofit. <laughs> we have all embraced um, email marketing, but I think it's changed dramatically. I think the way we connect has changed dramatically. The way that mobile is, you know, a, a mobile first sort of organization needs to be a priority because of the way that we're all so digital and remote now. And I want you to talk kind of just about your ethos and the importance that you see in email marketing and talk about some of the opportunities that are just sitting there for the taking for nonprofits today. There are so many reasons why I think email marketing is one of the most important marketing tactics. I have been in digital marketing for over a decade. I've done, you know, all of the things. Um, and what I realized is that email marketing is really what is moving the needle the most for nonprofits. What we know um, is that email marketing has the highest return on investment than any other marketing vertical. So that means if you spend one dollar in email marketing, you'll likely get thirty six dollars in return. Dang! Mm. I just got to say this quote because I love this. There's a, the CEO of Sharp Healthcare Foundation, Bill Littlejohn's. Like, when you have a return like that, when do you stop giving it dollars? If one dollar turns into thirty six, why would we ever shut this off? You know? Exactly. So I just love shifting the mindset on that. What a cool stat. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times social media gets gets a lot of attention because it is kind of not easy, I would say, but you know, you post something and it's done. Um, email, there's a little bit more of a production process, but organic social only gets about like one to maybe 5% of your audience seeing it. Um, whereas email has a much higher open and click-through rate and, and engagement. The second reason why I think people, nonprofits specifically, should focus on email is because it's the cheapest and the quickest way to get a personalized message out to a large group of people. So especially for organizations, one of my clients, UNHCR, when something like the earthquake that recently happened in Syria takes place, you don't have time to send out a direct mail piece. Email is really that tool that you can reach your donors the quickest in a very personalized way. And the third reason is that you own your list. Yes. These are your people. You have their email addresses. They have said they want to hear from you. And I always tell my clients, you know, if Meta shut down tomorrow, would you still be able to reach your donors or your supporters? So we need to be on email for all those reasons. I mean, I think that's such great points because it really is an asset, you know, and I think it's easy to chase the vanity metrics and we all feel the pressure of like showing up on social for consistency. But at the end of the day, it's like staying in close contact and having direct inbox access to the people that want to hear from you, like is the king here, like in trying to get that and so I wonder if you would just, you know, set the tone for 
we have all sorts of people listening to this show. You know, we have people that are at big organizations and we've been at some of those before that it's almost like you have too many people. You don't even know how to prioritize what to do with. And then you've got people that are just starting and they, you know, are putting the butcher, baker, candlestick maker on their list to try to like make a list, you know, to get started with. So I just think what is a good place to start if you are just beginning with an email list? You know, what is the good entry point for someone that's really trying to, to be intentional about this in the coming year? That's a great question. I think the most important thing to do is start with an audit of your entire email program and see what's working and what's not working. Look at the data. That's what I do. Like if I come into an organization, data doesn't lie. (laughs) So looking at the data. So you want to first know how many people are in your database and then how often they're communicated with and how active they are. And you can draw some conclusions from that whether you want to keep certain contacts or not. So tactically speaking, I hate when people say that and then you're like, but how do I do that? So tactically speaking, in a spreadsheet, simply on the top row, have how many people, how many total contacts you have, how many were added in the last 12 months, six months, and three months. And then in the column, I want you to add how many people were not sent an email in the last 30 days, three months, and six months. And then below that, how many were active in the last three months, six months, and 12 months? So that's going to tell you how many people are in your database? How often are you communicating with them? Are they active? And when I say active, I mean, are they clicking on emails? Yep. Are they replying to emails? Are they doing anything that is is kind of flagging that they're actually reading the email? Um, and you can you can see a lot from that. Yeah, I I agree with you so much, and I and I'm so glad that you're talking about this because I think about this conversation we had with Najid Kazam, who is just such a great tech for good expert in this, and he says we really need to be looking at what are those engagement signals. You know, it, it's it, I'm glad John mentioned the vanity metrics because I do think people get hung up and, oh, we got so many likes and views and these things. But if people are opening your email and they're clicking through it, I mean, that is a really powerful engagement signal that someone Mm -hmm. is actively looking for information. They're actively engaging with you and your content. So I want to keep going with this mini marketing email masterclass Mm -hmm. you're putting us through. And I want you to talk about some of the KPIs that nonprofits could set for email marketing, you know, and are there, are these different based on the size of the organization? Are they different based on the tools um, that you're using in your tech stack? Like talk to us about where someone could start with measurement, because I think that data piece is so critical. Talk about that with us. Yeah, there are so many benchmarks out there that are helpful. Um, So you can Google like nonprofit click-through rates, nonprofit unsubscribe rates, and you can get kind of what a benchmark might be. But you're right, there are different organizations, different sizes, different missions, more engaged audiences. And so I like to actually compare to like your own data. So pulling your data and saying, okay, we know we want to get better at this. And we're going to do these things to get better to get more click through rates. And compared to last year, let's just bump it up, maybe, you know, 0.5% to see if we can hit that. And just comparing to yourself really is what I would suggest. And yes, we have the nonprofit benchmarks out there. There are some really great ones. 
that you can compare yours to, to see if you're, you know, on track or not. But um, looking at your own data is the most important. And I also want to say that not an important note is that not every type of email is going to have the same benchmark. So different emails have different types of engagement. For example, welcome series or monthly donor emails may see a higher engagement than a promotional email or a newsletter. And so you want to break it out by the type of email. So look at all of your emails, you know, categorize them in a spreadsheet. I love spreadsheets. Categorize them. You have your transactional, your promotional, your newsletters, and your automated emails, for example. And how do each of those perform? Because you don't want to be looking at them all holistically as the same. They're different lists. They're different types of communication. So make sure that you're, um, you're categorizing them into a spreadsheet and figuring out which type of email has different metrics based off of what they are, you know? I think that's so good because each type also just has a different type of goal, you know? And I think of like behind Mm -hmm. the scenes of like what we have at We Are For Good. There's certainly some automated things for onboarding. There's like our ongoing weekly newsletter. But then when we do like a targeted drop, it is like a different ball game. It's on an unexpected day. The subject line may be completely different than what we would normally do. And it's like they're not apples to oranges. They all have their own thing. And so I love that you're just encouraging us to know our data because I think there's so much power in that. And no matter where you're starting from, you can always improve. And that's probably us being like, you know, the ridiculous optimist. But I think that's really true that Mm -hmm. you, you have to be really clear of where you're at before you can even start to think about how do we improve this. And so I want to kick it to you talking about improving. You know, I mean, I know you probably think about this a lot working with your clients. Like, what are some of the things you could think about for trying to uptick that open rate or trying to up the click rate? What are things that you try to change? Typically, I encourage clients to really focus on personalization and segmentation. So the most important thing is to make sure that the right message is getting to the right person at the right time. That is like email in a nutshell. So people expect this level of personalization And what we find is that if you are personalizing your emails, it's actually going to be a 15 to 20% increase in overall performance. Whoa. Just in terms of adding a name, like that kind of personalization? No, in terms of a name is yes, one way, but that's kind of table stakes. I think also... (laughs) Yes. John, I'm getting patted on the head. That's very nice, John. I love you so much, but I was thinking it too. So she's patting me on the head. But you're talking about variable data within the email? Variable data within the email. And also, what is the person showing you they're interested in? Have they attended an event? Send them event emails. Are they downloading a resource? Send them resource email. So being very specific about the behaviors that are happening and how you're communicating with the person based on those behaviors. And also some tools have the ability to, when we're sending fundraising emails specifically, to look at past giving and to then suggest the next gift that you you would want from them based on their past giving. So if you have an email you can ask in one email, you can ask different segments for different amounts um, depending on their past giving. And that has shown a lot of um, success for, for my clients too. But you have to have the technology that can do that for you. Indeed. And and like a plan of intention to do it. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I just have to share a hilarious story that I feel like people will relate to. But when John and I 
came into our healthcare organization, we had one person who was doing gift processing. And <laughs> we're like the first marketers in this foundation ever, but we're disguised as annual giving people. And so we're digging into our data. We're formulating our marketing plan and how we're going to start engaging people. And we're like, where are all the emails in the dang database? Do you remember this, John? <laughs> I mean, you're and jogging we, my memory right now. And I'm like, oh, oh gosh, my gosh. And we go going. to our gift processor and we're like, hey, like there are very few email addresses in here. You know, can what's going on here? And she was like, well, nobody told me to put them in, so I haven't been putting them in. <laughs> and just having an intentional plan around how you acquire email addresses, mm-hmm. how you tag someone there. I, I think you, what you're saying is such resonance with me because there are so many engagement signals that you can be looking at. If somebody's you know, really gearing toward events or if they're really loving your stories or if they're gravitating toward wanting to volunteer. These are all engagement signals that you cannot see unless you are digging into the data. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the common problems that we've heard about in our community is just that email feels so um, bloated right now in everybody's inboxes. I mean, how do you take your email and really have it be what we call that scroll stopping content. How does it stick out among, you know, your electrical bill and your banana Republic email? You know, it's nestled inside (laughs) the middle of it. And we really want to make sure that ours is punching right out of your inbox. So give us some tips about some of that. Yeah, I read recently that from the donor participation project, they did a study and what, what they found was that donors that had weak relationships with nonprofits, like they felt like they didn't have a strong relationship, they actually wanted more communications from the nonprofit. So step one is people want to hear from you. I think I think a lot of us get like frozen by that, thinking, well, they're not going to read the email anyways. I'm not going to send it. Um, people want to hear from you. So the first thing is, send the email. Doesn't have to be perfect. You know, I think we get so caught up in trying to make everything perfect and it doesn't have to be perfect, but also add value. Good content that is valuable is going to get open. So digging into the data, finding out what emails are doing well, what what does our audience want to see? How can we um, enrich their experience? And so don't send emails just to send emails, make it a valuable email, even if it's entertainment, something, an impact report, a story, something that is going to add value to the person opening it is the biggest thing. And just have fun, try something new, make people feel special. I think all those things are really important. And we don't nurture our audience enough. I think there's a lot of asking and not a lot of nurturing. So send more emails, send more uplifting emails with valuable content and try something new and have fun. Yeah. I'm going to add a little pro tip in here if I can, because I think something you said really jogged my memory is, you know, when we were trying to figure out what our voice was, our digital voice of we are for good. I think that's really applicable to think of your email as having a personality. Like how do you show up? What is the tenor of your voice when you speak? 
you know, and, and we decided, and it, it, it follows our brand and our culture, and it may not fit for everybody that we're cheeky, we're lighthearted, you know, we're going to be really vulnerable and raw. We're going to throw in a GIF or an emoji, or we're going to put something funny in a bracket because that's human. So I encourage everyone, like determine the personality of your voice in your email. How do you show up? What's the soul of your organization? If you can really lean into that, I really believe that people will feel that and gravitate toward it. And I think you're entirely right. I mean, have fun with it. Make it joyful. Make it something that somebody wants to open up. And I think these tips are just fantastic, Caitlin. And aren't we glad that that's the era we're in? Because we remember the corporate era when it's like everything had to be perfect. It's so stressful. But you know, it was like a black and white email and it was so (laughs) ugly and I never wanted to read it. Totally. So true. So Caitlin, I mean, of course, we're all curious about some case studies. You know, you get to work with these cool organizations. Walk us through, you know, what transformations look like and maybe just a fun success story that you've seen. Sure. I think it's hard to say like which organizations are doing this perfectly if you're not behind the scenes and seeing what's going on. Because when you're just reading the email, you think it's one way and then you get into the organization and it's completely the other way. And so it's hard to say who's doing who's doing email really well, but one of my clients, um, the Trevor Project, who you guys mentioned was one of your faves. They do an amazing job with their email. They do an amazing job with their email. You are constantly getting emails from them and they're not always asking you for anything. They're telling stories. They're talking about their work and their impact. They're fun. They're pretty. They're colorful. I think they just do a a great and exceptional job with email marketing and, and all of their marketing. So I've been so lucky to be a part of that team. And there are so many others. The National Breast Cancer Foundation is another one of my clients. And they're they're always pushing out resources for patients. And they have extremely high click-through rates to those resources. And so like I said, providing value is going to be really huge. And they do a great job with that. I just think showing up generously is a key here. I think the biggest takeaway I'm taking from this conversation is how are you adding value to your community? I think that is the best tip that I have heard about email. And I just support that you said that because, I mean, this is the same thing we were taught when we were writing contact reports, when we were learning how to do cultivation. When I was like a baby fundraiser, they were like, do not put a contact report in unless it moves the needle on the relationship, in case we learn something, in case we enrich the relationship. And I think that is such an important element in the way that we build and cultivate is we have to be, there has to be this reciprocity and exchange of value. And I think the way that you show up in email, digital, I think it can be just such a lifeline to people who are looking for you and they are looking for those resources. I think the National Breast Cancer Foundation is a great example for that. So Okay, Caitlin, you've heard the podcast many times. You know how much we love story. So take us to a story of philanthropy that's happened in your life. Maybe it's happened on email. Maybe it's happened with your clients. (laughs) But tell us about a moment that really changed you and has stuck with you over the years. The story that really stands out to me is when I worked at the Children's Inn at NIH. Um, It was a place where children who were undergoing treatment at NIH stay for free. And the holidays there are just the most magical place that you've ever seen. It's a winter wonderland. They have 
10 trees. They do a light show in the backyard on the playground. Volunteers come to decorate. Folks come to give money to bring gifts for the family. So on Christmas morning, they have something to open. They come, the, the patients are coming from all over the world. So a lot of times they're staying there for weeks and they can't go home. Um, so they're there Christmas morning and it's just amazing that all of the community comes together to make this such a special moment for the kids. My favorite experience was going along with the local police department on, they do a Santa ride every year where there's like 50 motorcycles and Santa's on the motorcycle and they go all around town collecting donations for the kids and they surprise them at the end of the night with gifts and a big party. And it's just the ultimate special act of kindness for these families that are having such a tough time. And I will never forget Christmas time at the end. It's just the most magical thing. Mm. I mean, thanks for sharing that. I think... Mm-hmm. Uh, these kind of stories just never get old about, you know, these moments that especially seeing kids come alive through these different experiences really centers us. So, okay, my friend, you know how we roll out the end of all these podcasts. We're going to ask you for your one good thing. If you could distill what's your mantra, what's a quote, what's something you want to leave with our community today? What's your one good thing? My one good thing and thing that I would encourage all nonprofit leaders and people that are working in this sector is to take a break to rest. Mm. I think we are all so used to trying to be productive all the time, but rest is actually a productive act. So we're doing all this important work and it can be stressful and we're wearing many hats. Like, you know, I probably did 20 different jobs when I was a marketing manager. It should have been, you know, a lot of people helping me, but it got to a point where it was pretty stressful. And so being in the nonprofit space when there's limited capacity and resources, it's important to just take a break so you don't burn out and you can continue doing this amazing work. I love that the working mom who's probably spinning 42 plates at any (laughs) given time is telling us we need to build and rest. And I'm going to quote you on that because I agree with you. I think normalizing rest is a productive exercise. And I mean, it's our final key trend of 2023. And you're right. We cannot pour from an empty cup. And so take care of yourself because we want you fueled to do more good in this world. So Caitlin, you're amazing. We love your work. How can people connect with you? Where do you hang out online and talk about some of the ways that people can get connected to learn more about email from you? LinkedIn is probably the best place to connect with me. I hang out there a lot and I'm looking forward to meeting new people. So connect with me. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, this has definitely made me want to open up our MailChimp account and dig into I know. all the things. I've been afternoon. feeling like sort of <laughs> exposed. <laughs> but I think you've just given us all just so much to run with today. So thank you for your time. And it was just fun to hang out with you. Thank you both. Hey friends, thanks so much for being here. Did you know we create a landing page for each podcast episode with helpful links, freebies, and even shareable graphics? Be sure to check it out at the link in this episode's description. You probably hear it in our voices, but we love connecting you with the most innovative people to help you achieve more for your mission than ever before. We'd love for you to join our good community. It's free, and you can think of it as the after party to each podcast episode. You can sign up today at weareforgood.com backslash hello. 
One more thing. If you loved what you heard today, would you mind leaving us a podcast rating and review? It means the world to us and your support helps more people find our community. Thanks, friends. I'm our producer, Julie Comfer, and our theme song is Sunray by Remy Borsboom. Rabbit fans have always powered the We Are For Good podcast, but now Rabbit fans can get even more goodness and access by joining Good Friends. It's our listener support community for the We Are For Good podcast. Good Friends comes with perks, exclusive episodes with John and I, including The Good Brief, our new monthly cliff notes of the greatest takeaways and lessons learned from that month, and exclusive AMA episodes where we answer your burning questions and tap our community of experts. Join now or learn more at weareforgood.com backslash friends. We can't wait to see you inside. That's weareforgood.com slash friends.